0: hello welcome to call it like I see it presented by disruption now I'm James Keys and in this episode of call it like I see it we're gonna discuss the live golf tour and the concept of sports sports washing and we'll consider why with all the business that's being done with unsavory characters around the world this upstart competitor for the PGA golf tour has really seemed to struck a nerve in our society to strike a nerve in our society and later on, we're going to consider whether Juneteenth going commercial is something that we should be concerned about or an indication of a job well done for a newly adopted, recognized federal holiday. Joining me today is a man whose consistently smooth delivery can surprise when he, well, honestly, never mind. Tunde, Yogo and Lana. Tunde, are you ready to give the people something good out of the blue today?
1: Smooth sailing, brother. Of course.
0: (laughs) All right. All right. Now we're recording this on June 20th, 2022. And over the past few weeks, we've seen a lot of discussion and controversy surrounding this newly launched Live Golf Tour. Now this golf tour was started as a competitor to the status quo for professional golf in the U S which is the PGA tour. And generally speaking, it aims to deliver more money more consistently to higher end and or more popular performers. you know, Where there's a PGA, the, the earnings are distributed more widely and you got to win to earn and so forth. Where this is saying, hey, if you're the cream of the crop, then we'll just deliver more money to you more consistently. Now, many believe though that this tour and its money are tainted because they're backed by Saudi Arabia's Sovereign Wealth Fund and are a part of the Saudis' effort to use sports to improve their image around the world. And make people forget, or at least stop talking as much about their record of human rights human rights abuses. So, Tunde, what is your reaction to the controversy surrounding this Live Golf Tour? And you know, which again, it seems to really struck a an nerve, and people talk about it a lot more than you would think. Just a, a, another upstart sports league or something like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the first reaction is kind of interesting. I thought, eh, what's going on here? And then I thought. As I looked more, I thought, okay, is this another outrage factory moment? Just, you know, the kind of media making something that for everyone, because I'm thinking, okay, it's Saudi Arabia. They're, they're paying golfers a bunch of money to show up. We all know Saudi's got a ton of money. And, you know, they want to throw money at something and usually make it work, right? Just like that mile-high building um, in Dubai. They threw a lot of money at it and it worked. So, um, you, know, the, 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 you know, that was my initial reaction. But then in looking into it deeper, I kind of – I kind of um, felt, number one, it's another thing that a lot of people making a big deal when it's a really, really, really small drop in the bucket in a bigger picture of all of our lives, meaning it's 11 U.S. golfers out of every golfer in the U.S. It's professional. So um, it's it's not a huge block of people choosing to go play for another country's thing than ours. However, I recognize that these are some of the biggest names in golf. And this is a disruption. You, You mentioned it well that the PGA Tour... I think has had a lock on golf, right? Professional yeah. golf and, and the spotlight. So I think, yeah, I, as, as I looked into it, I said, okay, this is a bigger deal than I just thought in the sense that this is just upsetting the apple cart of a sport, and if I can put it this way, an in industry, meaning golf itself, I guess being an industry it's on its own um, and an ecosystem with it its own, uh, that has had one central f- player that's been dominant and now is being challenged by another player who who knows if they'll be dominant or not, but they clearly got the cash uh, to make themselves known early here. So yeah, well, yeah it's they interesting. definitely
0: the, the way they reacted, they definitely see them as a threat. They yeah. don't look at them as just oh, you know, who cares about these guys? Uh, I actually, I, it's interesting to me because I think it you can come down pretty easily on any side of this and have some level of consistent principle. You know, like in general, we're we're saying we're pro competition. So yep. this is, I mean, I think the PGA tour is definitely overstating their outrage because they have enjoyed no real competition for a long time. And now somebody who has bankroll is going to take them on and can, they, they're going to compete with them for especially the best talent. Not just, you know, the guys who can't bring eyeballs to televisions or whatever, but the, guy, the people who are, you know, the the, the the better players, you know, the numbers out there that they're offering these these good players are, are jarring. You know, there's you get, get up into, you know eight figures, nine figures, potentially. And it's like, wow, you know, so, but they're not in it for the, for profit. And so it changes the calculation and that. And, And then on the other side, the, the Saudi like record and so forth, isn't one that's trumped up. Like they are, they deserve their reputation, you know, in terms of the abuses and so forth. So it does take a certain level of compromise potentially on your own principles to say, okay, well, I'll take this money, understanding that this money is meant to distract people, from the way that the people who have this money operate. But then again, again, then you can look at somebody else and say, well, hold on. We do business with the Saudis all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you <know>? So it's <laughs> not like we, we don't do business with them right now. Joe, Joe Biden just went over there or he's about to go over there asking for, for them to give us more oil or you know, pull out more oil out the ground. So it's like it, it's really one of those things. And it, it kind of the reason I actually wanted to talk about this today is it kind of reveals how we're all twisted and tied up in these things anyway. And this is really an example of whatever side you want to come down on, you can really come up, you can actually come up with a coherent argument to support you on that side of that argument.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's um, you know, and in, in, in going that direction, I, I in preparing for today, there was it was interesting to me how there were, the detractors of this were coming from different circles. It wasn't correct, like correct. Um, one group, alone is saying, oh, this is so bad, and then kind of everyone else. So I, I saw um, a diversity, um, you know, as, as, as from as far end as one side was the nine, uh, one group of nine eleven families, you know, yep. the, the survivors, yep. which we can all appreciate, um, understanding Saudi Arabia's role in, in fomenting Wahhabi is, Islam, and then, you know, um, the well-documented, um, you know, financial support they gave to what we've traditionally considered terrorists, certain terrorist organizations, so I could I could appreciate that, and then you know the other the other end of the spectrum were the kind of people that didn't like the killing of the um, journalist Jamal. Why? Well, I think that's the
0: same end of and, the spectrum. You have like the human yeah. rights people, which is like the people. And, and so, no, I'm just saying. But it's but someone who might be a so, let's say someone that in that 9/11 families group had they not
1: lost a family member, may have never even been on this topic. But the media and, thing
0: is this. Here, let me give you an example, though, because uh-huh. what what you have here is it's definitely looking at it from this it's myopic to a degree but it's also talking about principles or whatever but you know you understand why the 911 people are there you understand why the why media organizations are upset about this and journalists yeah. because one of their own they don't like the idea of governments killing journalists so while there's a principle there it's also kind of like hey you know like it's protecting your own to an extent but there again i don't want to minimize it there because there is a principle and i'd say the flip side of that is like the pga you know, who is, who has a financial, they don't have a principal involved here, really. They just, they, they just, you know, they, they're like, hey, this is going to cut in on our turf. And so, like, I think those would be the two ends of the spectrum where you have people who can literally literally look at the Saudis and say, they have wronged me or my type or my kind or, you know, my principles. And then you have the other people like, hey, these people are going to get in our money. You know, I think I would look at those as the two ends of the spectrum.
1: Yeah. And, um, Or you got the people going to play, saying I'm gonna make a lot of money, (laughs) Um, and um, and that's what I'm saying. Like like part of the way I looked at it was the Saudis are making a market. That that was the way I looked at it. Is you know there maybe because PGA basically was a monopoly, there was no market for uh, golfers to kind of you know be kind of traded like horses, you know, in in terms of um, in different leagues being able to command different salaries, all that kind of stuff. And now the Saudis are have created something interesting because who's to say that another wealthy backer, quote unquote, from another part of the world, let's say, you know, there's some Chinese group of billionaires or something that want to have the Beijing open or some sort of tournaments in that part of the world, and they don't start throwing a bunch of money at American golfers, the same group, you know, and these, they get all these international um, uh, groups that are forming these things to compete for them. So, it just, I just found that interesting from, from those levels. One of the things. Um, well, let me,
0: before you leave, yeah. I wanted to say something on the market piece. Um, Cause you're right. I mean, that, that is, there've been, this isn't, this wasn't a new complaint amongst golfers. And some golfers have taken this, this sh- more strongly than others. Phil Muggleson being one of them or, or Greg Norman, uh, where they're saying that the P, the way the PGA operates, they've been saying this for a long time is unfair. It's unfair to us. People to bring in the eyeballs to the TVs, people that are bringing this thing to prominence, we are not being compensated in a way that's consistent to what we deliver here. And so what's happening here, and there have been other attempts to do this, but really, you know like the, 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 the what they didn't have until the Saudi, Saudi stepped in, is someone that can say, okay, I'll put the money up and you don't need to deliver their immediate return. We can put the money up and we can build this over five or 10 years. We don't need to make money right away, but we can come in with the amount of money to draw the type of names that we would need to even get a foothold here. Because you're not going to be able to to, to challenge the PGA operating on a shoestring budget, and you're not going to be able to turn around an immediate profit. So the fact that they have found a financial backer that profit motive either right away definitely isn't their concern arguably it may not be their concern in the in the in the distant future either as long as they get the benefits from you know which we'll talk about later what's been t- called the sports washing but ultimately what it was the the a, a movement met a financial backer so to speak or a, gri- a a grievance met a financial backer who could address that grievance and so that's what we have here you know so but this didn't come out of the blue where go- just golfers were all okay with whatever the status quo was there was a discontent with the status quo and this was kind of the opportunity somebody took to take advantage of that
1: yeah and as you say that it, it reminds me a bit of the NCAA discussion with with um, you know the the kids players in the NCA getting paid you know this this idea that someone uh meaning some organization whether the NCA or PGA has benefited for decades in a way that hasn't been shared with those who are actually doing you know toiling in the soil right doing the labor part of it in terms of whether the NCA athlete kids or here the golfers and that or let, let, let me
0: say this: it, th- the extent to which it was shared was arbitrary. It that, wasn't that's what I was going to get at. Yeah, yeah,
1: I was going to get at that because I, I recognize that kids playing NCAA sports generally are getting, you know, their education paid for. They're getting meals. They're getting free housing and board. You know, room and board covered when they go to university. So there is an exchange of value there. I recognize that and of course but PGA, they're not allowed
0: to bargain for that basically. No, they I know. can't say, and, "Yeah, yeah, but go ahead." Yeah. And, and that's all I'm
1: saying. And I recognize yeah. that that PGA golfers get paid a few million bucks when they win and they're compensated too. But to your point, when you only have one um body that is allowing you in this door to do this, uh, whether it be pay, play college sports or play professional golf type of thing, and like you're saying, there's no uh, a- ability to really bargain. Um, then it's just interesting, right? It's just interesting that the Saudis came up and we're like, "All right, well." And to your point, they don't need to make money immediately on this, so they can afford to make a large investment without an immediate financial return in order to disrupt the marketplace. Let's yeah, put it that way. Exactly. Um, so it's just interesting. That's uh, from from. It's kind of like a a, a business espionage move, but. On the guise of a nice, calm game called golf. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean,
0: because that's really what it is. I mean, you had these – what it is we see is these – it's an unnatural business arrangement. You know, you have one party, just like you pointed out, NCAA was a similar thing or has been a similar thing, where it's just one side saying, okay, here are the terms. You know, everybody – you can either participate or not. But you can't say, oh, well, I want to participate, but let's change these terms. I I can deliver, you know, a a million – eyeballs to a TV, oh, you still get paid the same amount or you still get just a scholarship. It doesn't matter how many eyeballs you deliver, how much money you make us or so forth. So this is disruptive to that. And so ultimately, I, I know we touched on this a little bit, but I do want to ask you specifically, Americans do business with a lot of questionable characters all over the world. You know, like there, there's people talk about, you know, the, the, the businesses up until, I guess, recently, up until this year, the, the level of business that was done with Russian, Russia, you know, the Russian state interests or whatever, or the oligarchs. China, you know, people compl- there. There's a lot of people that rightfully complain about their human rights abuses. The Saudis, you know, we're they have all this money in large part because we're a country that pays them a lot of money, you know. <laughs> and so, but in this instance, you know, we see a very strong pushback, and it may be from circles that have particular interest in it. It may not be. It may be ex- not exaggerated. And again, I don't want to push to to minimize the 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 discontent that we're seeing at all, uh, but. It may be coming from parties that have a particular interest in it. And so therefore, because one of those parties is the media, then we may hear about it more than actually your run of the mill person is is actually offended by it. But either way, why do you think this seems to have struck a nerve? You know, or is that the reason is because the, the, the media is one of the people that are mad and so they're going to make us hear about it all the time? Yeah, I think that's part of it.
1: I definitely think that um, you made a good point earlier that, um, you know, most people kind of uh, close ranks or circle the wagons when it's one of their own, that's been a victim of anything. Right. And I think yeah. the fact that we had a Washington post journalist, um, kind of in a, in a, in a sloppy, uh, ham fisted way, you know, assassinated basically by his own government in a, in a foreign embassy, you know, just the, almost the perfect kind of spy movie type of thing. Um, I think that does bother our media, right. Because it feels like that's one of their own. And, um, and understandably um, so again this, yeah, is, this so, is not to minimize it at all like that so i think yeah anything messed up yeah so if as a human being i'm sure if you're a journalist now and you didn't like that anything that comes up regarding saudi arabia is going to be attracting your attention and something like this where they're throwing a huge amount of money to attract you know famous golfers to go there you know people are going to have like we talk about all the time in these shows right it's a free country freedom of speech they have a right to say whatever they want to say however You asked me a good question because this is where I say, you know, and I know that you always walk me off the ledge of talking about hypocrisy because it's a waste of time. And I agree with you (laughs) generally, but I can't help to call out the situational ethics that so many people play uh, when I see moments like this. I mean, number one, you're 100 percent right that Saudi Arabia is probably not a place I'd want to be from a human rights perspective. Um, You know, they just let women drive cars by themselves, like in 2018, not that long ago. Um, you know, they have still have religious police on the street. It's still a th- theocracy, you know, uh, for, for lack of a better term. So those are all uh, reasons. And then the others are things like, you know, they have a war right now with Yemen that they aren't treating civilians too great. You know, they're, 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 they're targeting civilian areas. Uh, you talk about our symbiotic relationship with them. Not only is it oil, uh, between 2015 and 2021, uh, they've spent, meaning the Saudis have spent sixty billion dollars in, um, in 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 uh, with our defense contractors. So we're selling, on average, in the last few years, ten billion dollars a month of of weapons to them. And so, and my point is, I don't care about that. I mean, that's that's kind of the the way of the world in commerce. I'm just making the point that Saudi Arabia has similar human rights violations, as you mentioned, to China. Um, I'd say up until kind of Ukraine and take out the Syrian conflict, maybe Ru- Russia, similar human rights violations, um, and a lot of other countries, So, um, which we do business with. So you're right. I think people just tend to pick and choose uh, what situations they uh, feel are the ones that they want to care about uh, without recognizing that they, they look the other way uh, when the same thing is happening to other groups and they tend not to... Um, to uh, care as much.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it, there definitely seems to be a, oftentimes at least a a kind of a double take to see who the victim is before people figure out how outraged they'll be about human rights violations. Because yeah. there, we've saw you know there there have been organizations, international organizations, that have looked at the U.S. in terms of its policing situations and called that with the way that blacks are getting killed by agents of the state, which police officers are agent agents of the state. That being human rights. Issues And so without, I don't, I'm not going down that path to get messy with it, but just to point out that there are a lot of fingers that are pointed from a human rights violation standpoint, and some of those get pointed at the US. And so either way, I do think that the reason this struck a nerve, I, 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 I think that there are sufficient in, interested parties to try to call attention to this that's really driving it. And the reason I'll say that is because this isn't the first time we've seen, in a sports context, even the Saudis or something, it blow up from the standpoint of oh, how, how come you know this Saudi money is creating problems for the status quo? Or you know we don't we don't believe in this because in European soccer, high level European soccer, they've been there've been the the Saudis have put money up, bought teams, or been, been major investors in teams, and then some of the other people are either complaining here, complaining that they're throwing off the market because they're spending more because because profit isn't that big of a concern to them. They're spending more. They're driving up the prices on everybody else, people who may be trying to 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 turn a profit and or at least break even. And they're saying, you're throwing off the salaries. You're throwing off everything like that. Of course, they're not complaining as they drive up the values of the teams, but either way, uh, <laughs> that's <here's> your situational <laughs> ethics there again. But, yeah. <laughs> and, but also that people have brought up the human rights stuff as well. You know, like in terms of, oh, well, you know, like What we're doing, why are we getting in bed with people who we we look at these human rights violations? And so I think that it's one of those things that they're dueling kind of interests, dueling masters, so to speak. You have this this market-based capitalism or, or, you know, because you can't even fully call the Saudi Arabia sovereign wealth fund. I mean, that's not capital that's generated in that traditional sense when we talk capitalism, but it's capital nonetheless. But- capitalism market-based capitalism I mean if you if that's your master then what the Saudis are doing and when I say master I mean your priority that's the the number one in the pecking order then what they're doing is just normal so to speak like that's what they got a bunch of money they want to do something with the money and whether that gives them actual cash return or some other kind of return that's what they're allowed to do with their capital you know and so yeah. that's all that that's your master if your master is something else something a little less Clear, but still something that involves some level of market economics and some level of concern over the the world being a, a fair and decent place. Then, if that if you're going to prioritize that higher here, then yeah, you will look at this and say, "Hey, yeah, this is screwed up. Why are we almost given the seal of approval or endorsement to the this, this the Saudis here?" You know, like so. I get it, and again, that's what I said. I think it really this actually where you what you think about this. Actually, says more about you than than you you know tune day Lana. online and now but it even you know listeners everybody what you think about this says more about you than what it says about anything else that's going on because there there are very clear paths to any position that you want to take here you know that you can make and you can make very logically and very coherently. Yeah,
1: I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, I think. Look, that takes someone's uh an ability for someone to actually introspect and ask themselves a the question, how why do I feel? Why do I have this reaction? I mean, somebody could have zero reaction to say, I don't freaking care about Saudi Arabian golfers and that's <laughs> – you could ask yourself why I have that uh, reaction, but anyone who has any opinion greater than that probably should should check in because as as it's a
0: Rorschach test.
1: Well, yeah, and, and and as I was I was just reading and preparing and I was thinking about this 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 um you know, how, how we talk about these situational ethics, I started thinking about things like the Ukraine crisis, um, you know, and, I, and I'll say this, the people of Ukraine deserve all of our sympathy and all of our help. Um, and so I'll say, and so did the people of Syria, because uh, in in looking at this now post-invasion of Ukraine, I've seen a lot of um, footage and stories about that Russia basically trained for this in Syria from like 2014 to 20. Eighteen, You know, all those years when when it was disruptive and there were 500,000 uh, Syrian uh, civilians killed and it caused all that disruption. Remember the migration to Europe that caused yep. all that disruption in Europe. And then I thought about the refugees coming over our border and from areas like Venezuela yep. that also have been disrupted by Russia specifically. And it's just interesting that what comes back and the, what the, the kind of tie that binds them all is this idea of refugees, And that's where I started thinking really about the situational ethics because the definition of a refugee is the same. is a person that is displaced due to some sort of conflict and in maybe lesser cases, natural disaster. Um, Because remember, they were even calling the American people inside America from New Orleans refugees when they were just trying to go somewhere else. And they were, and a lot of times, remember, there were stories about them being met with hostility trying to yeah. go to other parts of their state or other parts of the country and and look down upon. So, again, this is so a refugee is a refugee. The definition is the same, no matter what race, gender, you know, a part of the world, ethnicity, religion is just that. And that's why it's a good point you make as a Rorschach test. We tend to treat people in these conditions differently based on our own perception of who deserves sympathy and who doesn't. And it's it's pretty... I guess with this uh, era of, of all this media, it's interesting to watch it because we're constantly getting hit with all these new stories. Yeah. And then different groups that sit, sit there and, and, and make these appeals. And it's more and more, I'm just thinking like, man, we're all missing a point. And like, it's about humanity, you know? And that sounds hokey. Um, but if it, uh, if you don't think of it that way, then all you're doing is picking sides. And is that right? You know what I mean?
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're picking sides in a way that is, like, whether you know it or not, you're constantly, and this is why I say I, I I don't lean into hypocrisy much because people are are pretty flagrantly hypocritical, you know. Yeah. It, so it's, it's like you, you point that out, and people will find a way to dismiss like oh, no, I'm not being hypocritical, but it's like no, it, and so it's it leans into it almost, you know. So but that's a better way well, to say it. You know, where remember the
1: understand. one I, I've always rail against because I follow my sword of my own group. Remember, and we're doing Juneteenth next. The separation of children at the southern border in the last few years, you know. Yeah. Every African-American should have been railing against that if they have any upsetness about the separation of families during slavery. Yeah. That to me, you know, so hey, situational ethics, everybody is... Uh, a victim of it, <laughs> of having it, and I can point to my own group and just say, "Hey, we we do it too sometimes." Because that's <laughs>
0: humanity, man. It, it's that that shows yeah, the way exactly. we we, you know, we, so we try to categorize ourselves, but really, I mean that that that's our humanness that comes out in that sense. And so, I mean, in this case, you know, I, I pointed out only because if you care to to look beyond that and kind of see, okay, well, here's what's really going on, and. You know, like you could take a strong position or you could take a position that's more about, okay, well, how do we address the issue? Or or is this are we just in the interim right now, which is where I think we are? We're in the interim right now. Where we are now isn't where we're going to end up. This is a agitator, so to speak, that's going to what maybe it causes the PGA to change. Maybe it causes some other upstarts to to form. Maybe like it go a lot of different directions. It's not necessarily the end of the world. Ideally, I would like to see a nation who is not have such a, a a bad record with human rights to be able to take such a prominent role. But that's where you get into sports sport, sports washing, which is a term, it's a relatively new term, but it's something that's existed for a long time. And really what you look at it as is you you use it's sports, you, you get into sports to... To, to paper over or to cover over, to change the subject from topics that you don't want, that where you may be looked at negatively from a societal level or from a world society level, you know, whatever. You, you use sports, you get involved in sports because sports stir passions unrelated to judgment of human rights or of any other types of things. And so with that, what do you think? of the saudis effort here you know and which is apparently ongoing you know like but it also you can see the saudis here you can see china's been big on this this is why they've been pushing for the olympics and so forth and and it with the sports watching do you think this is going to pay dividends for them do you think this is something that that makes sense from the saudis perspective
1: um yeah i think so uh generally um whether it pays dividends in the terms of you know 10 years from now, the whole world thinks that they're great and that no, nobody's complaining about human rights abuses. I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, but will it pay dividends in terms of continuing to let, let's just on a serious note, like the business community feel, okay, you know, this is Saudi Arabia is legit. Yeah. We can, we can, we can, you know, I can fly to Riyadh for a meeting and not feel like, you know, I got to hide that from people, you know, and all that. Um, yeah. I think if they continue to go down this road, I think, yes, it'll have an outcome that, The rest of the world will not look at them um, maybe in the way they have in the past as just kind of this oil nation that has this wealthy um, royal family that we just got to deal with because they got all this oil and money. I think that they are um, on their way to diversifying their economy and the way that people see them. So I do think it'll have um, an effect. And I think historically, this has happened... A lot. I mean, one of the things I was reminded in preparing for today were the 1936 Olympics in Berlin, Yeah. Uh, where, you know, like Hitler him. Hitler had already started his concentration camps. There's already um, news pouring out of the abuses that the Nazi regime was um, inflicting upon a lot of people um, in, in the European theater, so to speak. And the Olympics were his chance to try and say, oh, this is a softer, um, more, uh, more gentle uh, uh, thing than you were being told. And it also gave a chance to sh- for Jesse Owens to show the world a few things. But <laughs> <laughs> I thought about, like, the Sochi Olympics in in 2014 in Russia. You know, that was the same year they they made their big invasion on Ukraine, remember? Yeah. Um, and after they had done stuff in Georgia and Chechnya and all that. So that was a similar thing, trying to make them... Crimea, better, better. So, yeah.
0: So, yeah. So, I mean,
1: that's just yeah. a couple of examples, but I'm sure we could rattle yeah, up. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, no, and that, that's why they do it. I mean, and that's, I, I would tend to think that it is something that... The people who do it seem to think it works, and they look at it much more closely than I do. <laughs> you know, well, and I'm so, sure it's
1: fun, too, to put on a big sporting event and just have a good time.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I would imagine that it's going to pay the kind of dividends that they want it to pay. It's going to change the subject or at least give something else to talk about. Like when, if they didn't do it, I think if you, you want to question whether something like this works – what you have to do is think about how our attentions work. And that's two things. One, the outrage usually doesn't last as long as whatever they're doing to cause the outrage. So the outrage will come and go, and people will be outraged about something else in a couple months, and they'll still be doing this. And so it'll outlast the outrage. And then two, what it does is is that at minimum, it gives a competing narrative in your mind about them. And so if they don't do something like this altogether, then anytime you hear Saudi Arabia, you will think, if you're paying attention to this kind of stuff you'll think human rights abuses or you'll think oil money or whatever but and then ultimately theocracy human rights abuses but at, if they do this then you might think that stuff but you'll also think oh yeah, yeah the golf tournament and if they go for, golf tournament becomes popular if it starts having the biggest and the baddest people out there you know pr- participating in it then you'll think of that and it'll be so at minimum we only have x amount of attention and you know in our mind for for this issue so it, it instead of Saudi being associated with just one thing and that's very bad or two things and one of them is is neutral or bad and the other one's bad then you'll think of three things or you'll think about you know other things that so it'll crowd out the negative so to speak or at least make space other than the negative and so you won't think of them as all bad you'll think of them as oh well you know they do this stuff but you know that that, that golf tournament is dope though you know like so <laughs> <laughs> it'll be and i think that's the point of it basically is to put in people's minds competing narratives understanding that you only have so much in your space in your mind for something like this anyway because for most people it doesn't it isn't something that triggers them or dominates their consciousness for the people who were triggered by this it won't work at all but they know they they they're never going to get those people anyway so that's not the target, you know, from that standpoint. So I think, I mean, it's unfortunate, but this is, they're counting on us generally prioritizing capitalism and markets over humanity and human rights. And that is a pretty safe bet over the past, you know, few hundred years minimum, you know, like in terms of how we've looked at how our societies have evolved.
1: Yeah. And, and the other thing they're doing is they're actually like, this is where it could work. They, 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 because the PGA hasn't had competition, I mean, this is the interesting thing about markets and, and, yeah. and, and why we um, generally have a, the, the Federal Trade Commission is supposed to be doing antitrust. Uh, and I would hope they do it more in terms of breaking up companies that appear to be so big that, you know, they're, they're becoming or they have become monopolies and don't allow for, you know, smaller players to compete. And my point is, is that PGA Tour has been around a long time. And sports have changed a lot in that period of time, as well as technology and the use of technology within sports. So something that I'm not even into, but a lot of people are, and especially a lot of younger people, younger than me, I'm 44, are things like fantasy, fantasy sports. Yep. And so what's interesting is the live tournament. The Saudis they they added elements of fan, fantasy sports where you know 12 players are dubbed as captains. They have a rapid fire draft in a way that they select their four-member squads and then the rosters will change for every tournament. And um players on the winning team get an extra $3 million each. So even if you aren't the star of that team, you're still incentivized to to do well and and, and you're going to make more than I guess the winner of the PGA gets in one <laughs> in one tournament. Well, let me <laughs> even add to this not, because yeah.
0: I want to say it a little more generally. They are trying to innovate basically. They yeah, are trying and whereas the PGA has not tried to innovate and tried to kind of keep things the same in the because that's what you do when you're a monopoly normally as you off that that's one of the reasons we try to avoid monopolies is monopolies spend most of their time just trying to keep the market cornered not trying to push things forward and where they are trying to innovate they are trying different things they they are doing things a little bit differently in ways that may resonate in modern society like you're pointing out like that's just one example so yeah i mean in that Like I said, like that's why we're we're kind of in an in between point right now where this is happening. There's going to be a reaction, I would imagine, from the PGA as well, not just banning people. I would hope, at least. I mean, (laughs) you would think that they would say, okay, well, let's try to make our offering better. Let's make it so that we don't have these aggrieved golfers, you know, at least not as aggrieved, you know. And so, you know, like yeah, it's it is competition that may end up making the whole thing better, uh, but you know, it's messy. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. what's messy is I thought Monopoly was the little guy with the monocle on the top head so with, with the <laughs> handlebar mustache that I got to give him- The point of
0: that is to get I a gotta, Monopoly. <laughs> remember, remember,
1: I got I, I to give him $200 every time he passed go and no one's explained me why. So, you know.
0: <laughs> Well, no, I, I want to move <laughs> on to the next topic. But, uh, you know, like we just celebrated Juneteenth. Now, this was just recognized as, as a federal holiday last year and already- This year we saw there were it it has become commercialized or it's it's heading that direction, you know, much faster, I think, maybe than people were expecting. You know, we saw Juneteenth ice cream that was put forward by Walmart and then pulled back initially. And we've seen other types of products uh, or, or things that people were doing for Juneteenth in addition to the traditional celebrations and so forth. But we've in in with this, you know, every action, there's a reaction. There have been some that have complained about the commercial the, about the commercialization of Juneteenth, which was a holiday that was honored that honors emancipated enslaved blacks. And, you know, so what are your thoughts on on these complaints? I'll start with people saying, oh, you shouldn't be commercializing this like this or, you know, this is it's, it's doing a disservice to to the holiday or whatever. What, what's your thoughts on that?
1: Um, I think they got to stand in line with everyone complaining about every single holiday being commercialized. <laughs> Let's start with Christmas, Hanukkah, uh, Easter. It, you know, I used to tell my wife when she would buy the Easter eggs. For the, I said, "When's the last time a, a rabbit laid an egg?" I don't, I don't understand how this represented the birth of Jesus. You know, um, so so then we can go to Valentine's Day. Um, we can go to Halloween. We can go to Thanksgiving because it's supposed to be about the pilgrims and all that. But we get you know. Yeah, but but it become about f- f- uh, shopping on Black Friday. Think about Memorial Day supposed to be honoring our veterans who died in service to this country. It becomes about mattress sales on that weekend and barbecues. So every single holiday in America has been commercialized. So I say, bring it on for Juneteenth. I'm upset that Walmart stopped serving that, you know that ice cream. They should have just rolled out with it and not listen to the complaining.
0: When you put it like that, no, when you put it like that, it's almost like a rite of passage. Like, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like, it's like the commercialization
1: it. is like, yeah, exactly. It's normalized. Like, okay, this is an official American holiday. This is great. <laughs> that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, like, like I, a, think, I, I get it. I, I think the, the there purists, is a line. But yeah. Well, no, I think
0: there is a line. Like I saw, I saw one uh, complaint that was more directed towards, I think like a watermelon salad or something like that. Like, I think there is a line where you can cross into mocking. Um, but I mean, That's something that we see with other holidays as well. Like, I think that there's a line with when you look at Cinco de Mayo, you know, where it's like, oh, well, is this how much of this is kind of, you know, like in good spirits, just enjoying yourself on the holiday, and how much of this is trying to mock somebody or something. But generally speaking, I side more on where where you're going. I think that this is kind of just, this just means that the holiday is kind of being accepted and creating all these, like, we're a, you know, we're a market based system. We are, this is what we do is commerce. And so, putting all this out there in the commercial ecosystem actually brings it to more acceptance, brings it, makes it more something that people are going to look forward to or, or remember or ask questions about. If it's all the somber, reserved type of celebrations, so to speak, or, or, or remembrances, then it's probably not going to get as much pub. You know, it's probably not going to get, and I think a big part of this we want is for people to know what it is, and to be like, okay, yeah, this is something that's important in America. And so, I mean, it, it, unfortunately or fortunately, if you want to make something important in America, p- make it commercial. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's how you make something important in America. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can't wait for Juneteenth because of the ice cream or something like yeah. that. And, I mean, that, people will remember it. People will look forward to it and so forth. And people will ask and learn about what it is.
1: Yeah, no, and and I think that it's, it's just interesting because going back to even the first, uh, part of our show today when we talked about human rights and the Rorschach test and all that, you know, what what does Juneteenth really celebrate? It actually is a celebration of, of the ex- extension of human rights to people that were once slaves, you know, and so it's just a very interesting, um, I guess, just, just way to have this conversation because we, nor- gen- like you said earlier, we generally don't think of human rights conversations involving our own country as Americans. And well, at least a I lot think, of us don't, and and yeah, and I mean, the, this is why a lot of Americans don't want to discuss these things because they don't want to take a look at just facts in history. And I think that's why I appreciate that this has become a national holiday. You know, like I mentioned offline, you know, the stock market and the bond market being closed on this day is actually a pretty big deal. I mean, it, it kind of really solidifies as a true federal holiday versus. Some of the other holidays where the banks are still open, but your kids are home from school (laughs) and you're trying to figure out if this is a real holiday or not. And so the point I'm getting at is, you know, to discuss what really the whole concept of Juneteenth, because it's interesting. You and I have both mentioned that as black Americans, we were ignorant to this holiday until we were adults. Right. Um, This isn't a holiday that was. uh, Hey, man,
0: don't pull that in me. I told you I knew about this in college. You were an adult, weren't you? Uh, assuming guess, you were know, young <laughs> you, was, was, you, know, yeah, you were of age right you weren't 15 unless <laughs> I also you also went yeah. to a historically black school though so i mean yeah. that's that's still so like, yeah normally you wouldn't most people hadn't heard of this to, to yeah. your point
1: and that's my point it's just it was regional it was kind of in the in the southwest and maybe parts of the midwest but but it wasn't wasn't well known to to everybody in this country and i think that um that now we know the, the the whole point of the holiday was, you know, the slaves were freed in 1863 by President Lincoln and the Emancipation Proclamation, and um, and Texas did not free their slaves. And so slaves there, 250,000 people lived an additional two years in slavery until the year 1865. And so, you know, again, this is where the Rorschach test to me comes in because people can hear this stuff and they can either Not care, which is fine. They can care and and say, okay, that's part of history and blah, blah, blah. Or they can have a very visceral rejection of it and feel offended by even hearing this information. And that should, to me, is the one that it's like, okay, take an internal look in yourself. And if this stuff is bothering you a lot, you got to ask yourself why, because this is American history. So, so, the fact that we have not heard about this much before, and now it is here that the first Juneteenth celebration was in eighteen sixty six yeah, so again, it talk, it this is another example that there's been many narratives in the American story, but only a, a very selected few have been the ones that we've all learned in the history book. so, I think this is another beautiful example of this country embracing its actual its true history and not
0: just a history of a, a, a slice of that history. Yeah, 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 A more complete look, you know? And, and you know, I, I think that it's good that it's here. And while, like I said, I, I don't look at most of it, I think there's a line. Like I said, I think there there have been instances where people cross lines and I, there have been instances where people complain and maybe it doesn't cross a line. That line may vary for different people. I'll say this though. I'm also not one that thinks that everyone needs to have the same reaction to everything. So, I'm not here to say that the people who have been complaining or saying, hey, you know, we need to keep this closer to its original meaning or anything like that. I'm not here to call them out and say they're wrong. Uh, I have a different perspective, you know, and I think that it's good. The people who are raising alarms about things like that, they're part of the discussion to help us find where from a consensus standpoint where the line should be. And some people are going to be more offended by things uh, and some people will be less offended by things. And so there's not one person or one reaction that I think everybody should have. But I do think from a big picture standpoint in this instance, the commercialization was inevitable and that it's happening already, I would say, is probably more of a positive, meaning that the thing that, that, that the holiday is is reaching a critical mass of adoption, not just as a federal holiday, but something that people are going to actually recognize and celebrate and that it's something that major corporations are comfortable putting out there. And so enough Americans are like, yeah, 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 this is cool. You know, like this is something that, you know, America, this is American, you know? And so like, if we're going to, if we're going to do this thing, you know, like we're going to do this thing together, then like, you kind of got to take not necessarily the, 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 the heinous or the crazy, but the things that you're, you're not crazy about. And then also the things that you are crazy about together, you know? And again, that's not saying that, you know, things that, (laughs) that are, that are just, you know, like heinous and, and just, Nasty. You don't have to take the nasty. You don't have to put up with the nasty. But things that may not play out exactly how you would want them to play out. In the pluralistic society, that's how it is. So there's a difference between Juneteenth ice cream and, you know, strange fruit hanging from a tree. And where yeah. one, you could be like, no, I'm not accepting that. Where when one is like, all right, well, you know, maybe not how I would celebrate, but I get it. It's commercialized, you know.
1: Um. No, and that's and that's and that's well said because I know that there's a lot of emotional energy right now um, in the Black community about a lot of things. You know, to, to kind of post George Floyd summer, um, you know, some of the animal spirits that have been re- um, uh, unleashed, uh, kind of in the American right, that have made, um, unfortunately, a lot of African Americans a little bit more um, apprehensive about. Um, you know people in this country that may want to go back to days of old in terms of some of the violence you know like we saw the the, the recent shooting in that buffalo supermarket um of um from a white supremacist and things that
0: ironically you know, the days of old that
1: they don't want to learn about yeah exactly <laughs> so well, that's 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 the whole point right because if you don't teach history it can happen again so why teach right, it right. <laughs> so right. so if i if i had a conspiracy theory bone me um but um luckily i don't but um but no, so that's my point is that, understandably, a lot of people are emotionally on edge these days. However, I think you and I have talked offline. I mean, number one is the commercialization of something like Juneteenth is a direct sign of progress in many ways, as we've been discussing. Um, like I mentioned to you before, you know, when John Carlos stood and put his fist in the air on the, on the podium at the 1968 Olympics, you know, in signification of black power and equal rights and all that kind of stuff... It's not like IBM and General Electric and Ford Motor Company and all the big industry, you know, titans of the ni- of the 20th century uh, were running to give him endorsement deals.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but you know, Cap takes a knee. Uh, takes a knee. Sorry, Kaepernick takes a knee. And Nike's there. You know, paying a million of dollars in marketing. Um, and it continues. You know, the George Floyd summer, we got um, organizations like NASCAR banning the Confederate flag. You know, in states like Mississippi, taking the Confederate flag off of their state flag. So these are all small little increments of progress that on their own mind, look small, but when you put them all together, if you understand American history, which a lot of people don't because they don't read, um, this is, these are actually pretty huge gains, um, in terms of at least symbol symbolically, and some are actual true gains. Um, and so that's where I think that, um, it's a long arc of progress, but it seems to be bending in the right direction,
0: um, over time. And so, um, so yeah, that's, that's my yeah. thought on that. Yeah, And so, I mean, and that's, I mean, honestly, and that's why you'll see as, as it bends, you know, you see reaction, you see backlash, you know, like even a couple of years ago, we did, we, we read that, the you know, what Martin Luther King's fourth book. And we, he talked about that even in his time, you know, like with every bit of progress that they make that the backlash comes. And so that's inevitable as well. And you, you don't focus on that, you know, like you just understand that's coming, but you keep things moving forward. And so in this instance, Commercialization, in my from my perspective, from my view, is like okay. That that's that. As you you ran through the list earlier, yeah. every American holiday is commercialized <laughs> for the most part. At least the ones that you've heard about. <laughs> I'm sure there's some some obscure holidays that haven't been commercialized, <laughs> and I mean there's probably a relation there. So, but I think we can well, wrap it up from here, man.
1: Well, let me do one more because I just wanted oh. to read a quote. Um, it's actually from Major General Gordon Granger, who was the you know. The commanding officer yes, on June nineteenth. Let's, let's
0: learn something about June nineteenth. Yeah, yeah, Go ahead. Exactly. Let's, yeah. let's
1: let's because it's about the human rights part, and this is where I get to that. This is this is the journey of us in America, right? Is the is is the more perfect union, and really um, uh, aspiring to the Bill of Rights and and those kind of things. So on June nineteenth of eighteen sixty five, um, Major General Gordon Granger, basically, I am going to quote what he says. He says to the quote to the people of Texas are informed that in accordance with the proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves. And the connection heretofore existing between them becomes that between employer and hired labor. That's, that, that was his quote. So it's interesting to me because in that quote, there's several things, you know, if, again, understanding truly culture and American history This is one reason why there's always been the schism between the South and and the North, right? The people of Texas are informed that in accordance with proclamation from the executive of the United States. That's one thing that the slave-owning states resented was that the federal government came and basically took away one of their major economic engines um, in order to provide human rights to the slaves or former slaves. And so those are those are things that um, that to me, again, it's a bit of that Rorschach test that, you know, if if you can't see that story as a story of pride in American history, then maybe you and I just have a different version of what pride means or what the the, the, the beauty of American uh, the story and the ability for us to continue to grow as a country and improve upon ourselves. Uh, maybe we just have two different views.
0: <laughs> well, but it's also but it's it's bittersweet as well, though, because the 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 fact that you needed it means that what came before it, you have to acknowledge and you have of to, course. you know, like so. It's it's both. It's like okay, right. yeah, that was a nice big step, but where we stepped from was nasty. You know, yeah, yeah. And so and that, like it's, 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 but that's something. why it's
1: such a disservice for those who don't want to be able to discuss it. And that's why the, to me, it's just a, um, there's a dissonance here because when, as things like this continue to be recognized, and now that it's a federal holiday, I think it just makes it harder and harder to avoid discussing it. How do you, how can you, you know, reprimand a teacher or someone in a position of educational authority to discuss something that has been cited as a federal holiday and then discuss the reasons? that came up being, because the next question is, right, if I'm, I'm thinking about, if I'm, if I'm sitting in a high school and I'm learning this, my hand to go up and say, well, how come it took two years for the word to get to Texas? And I'm sure that opens up a whole nother conversation of discovery, right? So just, you know, it's, it's a shame, but you know, people won't be able to hold back this type of information.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, and that's that's I, I think we want more information out there, more truthful information out there, not less, because we've talked about many a times that the the untruthful information has been working overtime well, and it remember it's steady working overtime. Remember
1: also though the truth hurts, so
0: that's why it's it, often, can. Uh, it can <laughs> it's it often can it's often jettisoned for the BS. <laughs> yeah, it can. So yeah, it's 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 something that is you know it requires that the, the truth. Isn't always packaged and neat and make you feel warm and fuzzy all the time, you know. So if that's all you want or if that's all you can handle, you know, some people don't. It seems like they can't handle anything that's not or things that aren't warm and fuzzy. And well, I was you, gonna say they should go watch a
1: Disney movie, but they're not allowed <laughs> to anymore. So I was gonna, I was gonna say Pixar, then I remember Pixar is owned by Disney, so they can't watch that. Oh man, we'll so I think we can wrap it up there. Yeah, we'll set them somewhere else.
0: But I think we can. We'll close it up from there. Uh, we appreciate everybody for joining us on this episode of Call It Like I See it subscribe to the podcast rate it review us tell us what you think sh- share it with your friends until next time i'm james keys i'm tuned all right we'll talk to you next time